I um, and I'm really kind of behind the eight ball. But this year, I I have just my two sons and my sister, and I I my sister might be listening, so I I will not say what I got her, but I I did one gift for each of them. So and my son, my older son, my 19 year old, I took him to New York last week. So it's going to be oh, wow. a very odd Christmas. It won't be like people opening a bunch of gifts. They'll be like opening envelopes with, you know, an experience in it. So it'll be very interesting. But I did, you know, want to get my sons, probably each of the three of them, some small thing, you know, underwear or something for them to open. But oh, I haven't done it yet. And um, we're running out of time. How about you? Uh, we're low-key. <laughs> we are super low-key yeah. this year. I think I think we're actually going to have, like, Chick-fil-A nuggets for Christmas Eve dinner. Like, that's how low-key we're going to be. Like, we're just... That's, that is very low-key. I don't care. It's like, nobody really, you know, Valley kids are older now. It's like, uh, yeah, we just want to be together and watch a movie. Like, and we're happy. Yeah. Well, that's cool. Or like pizza, right? Like I said, let's get a pizza. The one just, one good thing that... Go ahead. No, I said we usually get pizza. One good thing that happened with us is... Um, How you doing? How's it going? What's up, Doc? How are you? Uh, I did. You guys, mute your phones if you're um, listening. And before we start, we're going to start in a minute. Um, I, I miss... Uh, scheduled Thanksgiving. I thought Thanksgiving was the week before it was. So I ended up, we ended up booking a trip to North Carolina before Thanksgiving because I thought it was the 21st instead of the 28th, which was very humorous in my life. And so we all celebrated. We went to, to a cabin in North Carolina. But so for Thanksgiving, the actual day, for the first time ever, we went out to dinner. And it was a buffet and you had to wait in line and it was expensive and no one sat at the table at the same time because everyone was going up to the buffet. It was like crazy. But the good thing that came out of that was my sister who, you know, shares most of the burden for the cooking kept saying the whole time, I can't wait till I cook for Christmas. I can't wait till I cook for Christmas. So she, you know, where she usually feels like this burdensome, she, after going to the restaurant, she's she's looking forward to uh, cooking. So that's good for all of us. There you go. That'll work. Okay. Welcome, everybody, to the last book club call of the decade. And for 2019, you can probably hear I'm a little under the weather, but we're going to be relentlessly going through, you know, following through on this call. And we're, we are going to be talking about Relentless, From Good to Great to Unstoppable with Tim S. Grover. And I listened to the audiobook versus reading the book. Um, I always find it interesting when the authors don't use their own voices. I thought the guy's voice was very you know, in tune with the message that he was speaking. What did, did, did anybody else listen to the audio book instead of reading the book? I read, a, I listened to the first part of it because it was on YouTube. And if you listen to Tim Grover, like his actual interviews, and you listen to the, the guy that recorded the voice, it's very similar. 
So yeah, you get the uh, you get the tone very easily. Yeah, I listened to uh, this morning. Um, listened to the Art of Charm podcast interview with Tim Grover, half of it in preparing for this call, and um, uh, I could tell the difference. The guy, the audiobook guy's voice was just so smooth and so determined, and you really you could tell that guy whether he was a cleaner or not. He embodied the cleaner just in his voice. I thought. I thought it was just very interesting. So the 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 book basically for those of you guys that have not read the book, Tim um, is I don't you know he says he's not a trainer right but he's he works with the majority NBA players like Kobe Bryant, Michael Jordan, and Dwayne Wade are some of his clients and. He helps them mostly with mindset, but also, you know, and he gives them, I guess he was an NBA, or he was a college basketball player, wanted to go in the NBA, but got hurt, and, but still wanted to work with basketball players, and he created this business where, you know, Dwayne Wade, the night before, you know, the Heat is in the finals, flies him out and just for like a 10-minute conversation, right? So very, very, very interesting. I thought that any, <laughs> any of you that, were, that are fans of the NBA, bless you, were, would be very interested in um, listening to this guy talk about these guys and these players. I, I've actually used, in the last two days, on two different coaching calls, I've used something I heard in the book where he said that Michael Jordan – I think the quote in the book is, there's no off-season when you're serious about being a winner. And he talked about Michael Jordan during the summer. What his uh, protocol was, was he would get up, have breakfast, go work out and that, for two hours or whatever. And then he would go play golf. And then he would have lunch, I think. And then he would work out again. And then he'd go play golf again. And then he would have dinner. And then he would go work out again. So he he incorporated fun things during the off season, but he never let down, and he he never didn't do what he thought you know he needed to do to be to excel at his job, and and in the whole book he talks about three types of people, he talks about cleaners, closers, and coolers, and the way he describes he says the cooler is good. The closer is great, but the cleaner is unstoppable. And before uh, we started the recording, Greg and I were talking about um, were we cleaners or closers. And I think we both thought we were, we were more towards a cleaner than a closer, but we weren't a cleaner all the way because cleaners basically, the way he and I read it, um, you know, are just steel, right? no no um touchy feely and, and that's that's definitely not me. So Greg, you were gonna start saying something and I cut you off. I said, save it for the recording. Well well, because I mean you know, he, he talks about in the book like the difference between these cleaners and closers and coolers and um and I can't remember what I was gonna say, but when we were talking earlier, but um 
what I what I found was interesting is that he talked about, you know, and I kind of related it to baseball a little bit, where you, you've got the closer, you know, the closer kind of comes in in the ninth inning and uh, and shuts everything down, but he he only can operate if he's kind of in his own lane. Like if he gets any type of adversity at all, he crumbles. The closer will crumble, and like he can't handle any that that type of variables getting in his way. Whereas the cleaner is already prepared. He's prepared for anything. And if something doesn't go his way, he has a way to strategize and get around it and overcome the hurdle and to keep going. So right. you know, it, it, it's a very interesting mindset book, um, which it's interesting that we, we've ended the top. We've, what, and what I found interesting about all of the – and I found this book to be kind of a very good ending to the club this year because it touched on every little deep like all of these other books you can kind of see being represented in, in relentless you know mm-hmm. like he talks about you know he talks about different places like when we talk about obstacle is the way and and he right. gets, you know there's different elements of every book so, i mean this was kind of a i don't know if you did it by on purpose or not but it, <laughs> but it really did kind of summarize everything that we've talked about throughout the entire year well, of course, you know, I'm going to take all of the credit for that, which is not a cleaner, that's a closer, but, um, and, and say, yes, I planned this out. But, of course, you know, I'm teasing and I had no idea. But don't you think that I find that in all of the books we read, many, many books that we read, um, there's, there's uh, overlapping themes and parallels, right? So I do, I agree with you, though, as I was listening to it, I said, oh, that was like uh, Obstacle is the Way, or that was like uh, whatever, you know, all the other books. So they, they do tend to start blending together. I mean, it's not like any of this is rocket science. We all know, it, 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 you know, he, like he says in the book, you know, everyone wants to go on a diet. They buy diet books. They hire personal trainers. And basically, you know, we all know how do we lose weight. We stop putting crap in our mouth, and we work out more. That's really, it's just two easy things, but... You know, it, there's the whole there's a whole industry on people who spend millions and gazillions of dollars trying to get fit, lose weight, and exercise more. When if the, you know, but but no one, everyone wants the quick fix or the secret on how to like people. Well, how do I lose space? You canvas and cold call and prospect. No, well, what are the other secrets? There are no other secrets. So, but. It is, it's good, though, when, we're, when you're reading a book or listening to a book and you can find some gems. Like one of my most favorite quote in the book is when he said, people who don't pursue their own dreams probably won't encourage you to pursue yours. And I thought that was phenomenal because we all have heard multiple times Surround yourself, you know, the five people you surround yourself with are the most important, right? Because they, you are a blend of those people and, and they will encourage you, you'll, you know, you'll rub off of each other. And it's important, you know, I'm a big goal setter and, and I have, you know, a lot of friends and some aren't into setting goals. And it's interesting that if there are people in your life that are not setting goals or going after their dreams, 
you know, how are they going to support you in chasing yours? So I just, I just, that was kind of a, like a aha quote when he said that, you know, and he talked, he was talking about what the PhDs, right? Something about people who are holding the NBA stars penises, but you know, he used the word dicks, right? So PhDs, people who are holding their dicks. So, and you know, the entourage and that, that people that are, they're just going to tell you, tell those celebrities what they want to hear versus um, him being a cleaner. He's going to tell them, this is what you need to do. You already know you need to do it, you know, and I'm here to hold you accountable to do it. So what do you think about that? Did anyone else on the call want to speak up? And, and what do you think about if, if your friends or the people around you aren't going after dreams, how can they support you in going after yours? Any thoughts? They, you know, he also talks about, he says, people who preach inner drive are dreamers with a lot of ideas and a lot of talk, but zero production. So um, I'm not sure if I really agree with that because uh, I, I preach inner drive too, um, but you know, I think that I get a lot done as well. But I think I do think that it's important to have inner drive, like a hunger in the belly. If you don't have that, you don't have that competitive desire. Oh, the other thing that I liked is when he, near the end of the the book, he he had a one of his players said he that the guy said I want to get even, and Tim said, What do you mean you want to get even? You want to you want to get even? You want to be at the same playing field or same level as they are, don't you want to get ahead of them? So I thought that that was great. And, and he talked about, that's when he went off on a tangent and started talking about participation trophies, which, you know, we've, we've all spoken about before. So other thoughts. Who else is on the call? Speak up, everyone. I know we've got a bunch of people on the call. You guys are quiet today. You're probably working on your Christmas lists. Hi, Beth. Hey, everybody. Uh, Sam Eckstein here. Equity Development Hi. Group, FSU Class of 17. Woohoo! Um, man, so Beth, first just want to say so grateful for you organizing this call. I've seen it, uh, you put it together a few times, but haven't had the fortune or the timing to be able to jump on. Um, but when I saw the book today, it was relentless. You know, I had to uh, move some things in the calendar and make sure I got here because uh, this is probably one of my all-time favorites. Um, not a book that I've read recently, but something I definitely go back and reference all the time. Um, not something that actually primarily I originally thought would add as much value in business as it would in athletics. Um, mm-hmm. But I've you know come to see how applicable it is to you know our business as well. Mm-hmm. Um, when did you read the book? Really... When did I read the book? Um, I'm not sure. Probably two or three years ago um, was the first time I gotcha. listened to it on audio audible. Um, I actually joined. Um, I, somehow I entered my email address, and he got me on his uh, drip campaign, and uh, purchased a couple of things through him. Like he has poster about his like relentless 13 rules, which I'll share with you guys in a second. And then he also had like a a coaching call type of program thing um, that I was like actively listening and participating in. I think it was like 100 bucks a month. 
or no, not even. Cool. It was like fifty bucks a month you pay for the year. But then he canceled it and turned it into a thousand dollar coaching uh, on one session. <laughs> once he gave people a little taste. So, wow. But anyway, so the Relentless Thirteen. Um, I'll share real quick, and then I'll tell um, some of my favorite uh, quotes, I guess, out of the book. Um, the Relentless Thirteen. It's his thirteen rules, um, and he's got them all labeled number one. If it's one through thirteen, it doesn't matter. So you're. When you're relentless, dot, 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 number one, you go harder when everyone else has had enough. You go into the zone and control the uncontrollable. You know exactly who you are. You have a dark side that refuses to be taught to be good. You're not intimidated by pressure. You thrive on it. When everyone hits the in case of emergency button, they're all looking for you. Uh, you don't compete with anyone. You find your opponent's weakness and attack. You make decisions, not suggestions. Uh, you don't have to love the work, but you crave the end result. Uh, you'd rather be feared than liked. Uh, you trust very few people, and they better not let you down. Uh, you don't recognize failure. You know that there's more than one way to get what you want. And finally, you don't celebrate your achievements. You always want more. Mm-hmm. So that's his Relentless 13. I can share that with you guys um, after you can spread it out to who's ever here. Um, a couple of those notes, just to go over real quick. The very last one, um, you don't celebrate your achievements. You always want more. Um, I remember in the book he talked about um, Michael. I think it was Michael. It may have been Kobe, actually. But anyways, um, so they're winning their third or fourth um, title. Uh, NBA World Championship, and instead of holding up the number of rings that they currently have, like say he had two, he just won three. Instead of holding up three fingers, he's holding up four. So like even right. though he just won the championship and gave the achievement, he's already like everybody else is celebrating. Oh my God! And he's already looking towards the next goal. So that's something uh, that really stands out. Another one is uh, you refuse to have uh, you have a dark side that refuses to be taught to be good. You know, a large part of the book, he talks about, you know, the dark side and kind of embracing um, almost like an alternate personality. And I thought that was a pretty mm-hmm. interesting um, concept because it's not something I really heard discussed a bunch of places. Um, right. Going back. Thank you. Yeah, go ahead. Um, so last one, I guess just real quick, one of my favorite quotes in the book is uh, I'm not telling you to love it. And this is one of the rules as well. I'm telling you to crave the results so intensely that the work is irrelevant. How does that work? How does that translate to what you do on a daily basis, the craving of the work? Like what is it that, because, you know, I think that that is so true for all of us. There's, you know, there's things that we do, you know, like the last thing I like to do is go through, a four, you know, an eight-page letter of intent with a national retailer. Sure. I or hate build it, but you got to, right, you know, but it's, we got to do it, right? We have to, craving the results, putting, putting, understanding that it's the process. You know, Gary Vaynerchuk talks about the process. Got to love the process because a lot of times when you get the results, you look back and go, and you know, it's great, but you are looking for the next win and you have to really learn to enjoy the process because, it, it the winds are short. You can't you can't just stand and rest on your laurels during the winds, right? 
No, so absolutely. I also, I, and yeah, go ahead. No, you go. Um, yeah, I mean, absolutely. Like the moment that you uh, kind of take your foot off the gas and start looking around about, you know, how nice your surroundings are and how you're finally here and you made it is the moment that, um, you know, somebody's going to zoom by you because, you know, they didn't take their foot off the gas, they got blinders on and they're continuing to push. Um, but in terms of, like, uh, what you mentioned about valuing the process over the product. Um, you know, like I said, I didn't originally read this book with a business um, intent. You know, I probably read it when I was still in college. Um, my main focus at the time was, uh, like, athletics, Brazilian jiu-jitsu. And that, like, going through, um, like, a practice and a training session is, like, something that I really enjoyed. So it's kind of like didn't necessarily apply as much there. But um, translating it, you know, a few years later, working full-time in real estate, basically, you know, I've kind of, when I started, my North Star was uh, closing, say, 10 deals in five years, 10 um, development projects for national retailers, um, build-to-suits or fee developments. Uh, and, you know, I kind of got lost in... Um, the bigness of that goal and, you know, wasn't necessarily focusing on um, the work. It's more focusing on, oh, if I just think about this goal all the time, think about this goal, you know, it'll eventually happen. But when I started to shift my mindset of, okay, I need to every single day have three phone calls with real estate managers for territories, um, I'm sorry, three conversations with real estate managers that cover territory within my geographic region, and I started focusing more on doing the work and the associated um, processes that go into closing those deals. You know, I wasn't, even if the calls didn't go well, the fact that I was able to, you know, put it on a list and then cross it out, you know, slowly over time built confidence in a way that, you know, now I do love it because, I can see the product attached to the process, right? Whereas before I was right. just looking at the... So hopefully that made sense somewhat. <laughs> oh, and absolutely. And I think that, you know, there's a lot of self-improvement gurus out there like visualization, affirmation, set your goals, put it out in the universe, um, the secret and all that stuff. And and I, I believe in all of that, but I, but I believe that you have to have a plan, you know, an action plan to support the goals. Like you said, you've got to do the three calls every day or you need to do the 10 Facebook prospects or you need to canvas 30 or 100 people a week or whatever it is because you've got to do the work to reach the goals. Just saying that you want to reach the goals, you're never going to get there, right? So I think that that was, you know, that's very important and he talks about that. And he also talks about, you know, he says, no, here's a quote, no trainer or coach or expert can make you good or great or unstoppable if you're not going to do the work. If you're waiting for someone to make it happen for you, it's on you. And that's why I'm telling you all of this, not because I want you to, to not because I want you to know what I do for my guys, but I want you to know what you have to do for yourself. So... You know, you, you, we're, we're, you know, it's just like if you're in the gym and the trainer says, you know, you need to 
go do 50 push-ups. You can't, the, you, can't, the, you have to do it yourself or the 100 um, you know, sit-ups or whatever. We have to do the work, which always goes back to, in, in my world, prospecting. Prospecting, 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 prospecting. Beth, you just made your own point there, right? The trainer doesn't tell you to go, do, go to the corner and do push-ups. They tell you to do 50 of them. Right. She said they're specific. It has to be very specific, exactly. Hi, Aaron. Hey, Beth. How good? How good? The other... Oh, teach team today. I'm a little under the weather. But I'm being relentless on this call. The other, um, the other uh, thing that he talks about is... Um, I just lost it. Hold on here. Uh, being relentless means be... Oh, no, what I wanted to talk about, when they talked about the dark side, so, yeah, I didn't really like that. Like, I don't want to have a dark side and, and not care, you know, if people like me or don't like me. You know, I'm, I'm more, like what Greg said, I'm more touchy-feely when it comes to that. But what it did remind me of the dark side is the Cardone book, which actually Aaron gave me, um, Be Obsessed, Don't Be Average. I think, I'm, I'm sure that's not the name of the, the title, but Being Boba. Obsessed. Be obsessed what? or be average. Be obsessed yeah. or be, be obsessed. average. Yeah, that's it. Go ahead. So, you know, people, when people are obsessed, you know, people criticize that. <clears throat> and I think that when people like a Michael Jordan or a Kobe Bryant, when they're, when they're obsessed or when they're focused on their dark side, people criticize that when they're in the zone. You know, they, I, one of the stories in the book was, I guess, Kobe takes shots at one end, one end of the court, and he's in his zone prepping for the game, and no one goes over to that basket because they know he's in the zone. And I'm sure that in the early years or whenever that was starting to happen, maybe he got criticized by that, but it's important to know. I was on a call yesterday with uh, one of my coaching clients, and we did the, the exercise of torture, which I recommend everyone do at least once a year, if not twice a year, where you put in a timeline every 15 minutes what you do for a week and then send it to, you know, give it to your boss or give it to a peer or, you know, send it to someone that can review it. And um, in multiple times during the day, he wrote, you know, got distracted talking to, you know, this guy in the office, got distracted talking to the group in the bullpen, yada, yada, yada. So, and I said, you know, this is great that you, a, we're honest enough to write that down and learned that when we calculated it, you know, five days, you know, if you calculated how much time you get distracted and are in the zone, it, it, it adds up. And understanding that so that you can then go back and make changes and say, okay, if I have a goal to, to you know, whatever it is, buy a property, you know, three properties in the next year, and these are the things I need to do to, to do that, then, you know, what I recommended to this guy is take 90 minutes, and whether it's in a closed office in his office where he had an opportunity to be able to do that, get out of the bullpen and go in like a conference room, or even go to a library in town, but to focus on those three phone calls or for 90 minutes, whatever he needed to do. And then that way, when he went back to the office, 
or when he left that private office and he went back to the bullpen, if he got distracted, it wouldn't ruin his day because he got that 90 minutes of focused in the zone work done first. So I think it's important that we, we all need to be able to be in the zone. You know, Aaron, because if we don't get, if we're not in the zone, we're not going to get our stuff done. Aaron, what is your trick about getting in the zone and getting your stuff done that you have to get done and not get distracted? Well, I don't know if that's a loaded question coming from you or not because I learned the tip from you when I was like 23, but um, I write down. Was that last year? (laughs) It's very funny. Um, I'm getting old now. I'm 31. I write down the five things that I have to do every day at the beginning of the day that are non-negotiable, uh, and I can't leave work until they're done, like period. So why do you do, why do, you do them in the morning versus the night before? Because uh, I can actually think in the morning. I'm, I'm more of a morning person. Okay. It's, it's the, the right thing to do is probably do them the night before, but and sometimes I'll be like sitting in bed and like, or like in the shower or something thinking and like something will pop in like, Oh, I got to get that done. And I'll email myself on my phone. And if it's in my inbox, I know it'll get written down. So they'll like just be in the subject line, like whatever, mark up LOI or make offer on this property or whatever. And that'll get added to the, to the top five. Thanks. So I like to do it the night before because I, there's this, you know, granola thought that, when you sleep on things, you can come up with some creative ideas. I also like to do it the night before so that after I drop Mario off at the bus, I can maybe, if, if, if two of the three things or three of the five things are making phone calls, I can do that before I even get to the office, right? And I think it's also important to make sure that we're doing the important things, not the urgent things. Like my three things today... I didn't have the book club call on there because I knew that was going to happen and that would have been a cop-out. So make sure that, so thank you for sharing that. I'm, I'm glad you're still doing that. I do that every day. That's the way I keep my, myself organized and on Friday night at 5 o'clock I can look back and pretty much I've gotten 15 very important things done and moved the ball. Did someone want to jump in and say something? Greg, how do you how do you stay in the zone? Um, I I have to get out of just whatever is comfortable. So I used to think like, oh, if I would do it the night before at home, you know, whatever it would be, and, and prepare the next day. I used to think that, oh, I can do that. But as my kids get older and the distractions become louder and just larger, home, you know, unless I'm home alone, working at home is not ideal, especially, and even at night. I mean, it's one of those things where it's like at 6 o'clock, I'm going to have to shut it down until like 10, 10.30 until people go to bed because that's when I can focus again. Otherwise, it's just, there's just too much going on. And that's okay. So I, I've recognized that. That I mean, I think a lot of it either I either have to go to a library, or I'm in the office early, or it, it's just you've got to organ. I'm just organizing my calendar a little bit differently, to because we've just got so much going on with three kids over the age of twelve, all going different places. Um, 
you know, so you just have to, I have to stay in that zone. And, but what I, the way I do it is I organize my calendar. I, I create those time blocks that really keep me focused on what I need to accomplish every given day, specifically throughout the day, so that I know I'm able to move the ball forward for any potential deal that I'm working on. Awesome. What, what was your favorite book of the year, of our whole year? Do you have a favorite? Atomic Habits. That was my yeah, favorite. I, I, I got the most, it was probably the most practical, but the tactical, you know, I learned the most from it, and I was able to apply the most information from it. Um, it, it really kind of allowed me to organize my time and re- recreate and make these habits and consistently improve on them and the habit stack and, and to really making these small changes to, to your life, how big of an impact they can be. Um, it, it was so much so that I, I actually I, I bought the book for three of my bosses and gave it to them as, as Christmas gifts because I thought it was that, it was that good. Um, oh, that's awesome. Yeah, that was that that was my favorite throughout the year. I mean, you know, there were there were great nuggets throughout the year. You know, you, you can with with Stu Dog and Obstacle is the way and um even the last even the last three that we've had, um, just throughout the course of the year I think have been strong. So I mean it's been a it's been a good a a good um collection of resources. And that's not to say that I didn't like your first book, Beth, but or did I get nothing out of it? I did, um, but I just I, I thought I, James Clear and Atomic and Atomic Habits I think was just the strongest. I I I love that book. I love that book. And you you've reviewed the list for next year. So except for my book, which we're doing next month, what? Uh, any standouts that you're looking forward to reading next year with the new list? Um, the Miracle Morning. Uh-huh. And I, I, I have it. I just haven't read it. So I'm actually looking forward to it. And I've looked at the list, and I mean, those are the um, – and I've, I've heard good things about Shonda Rhimes, and so I, I'm glad we have a, a, a woman author finally, aside from you. Um, yeah that interesting perspective. Yeah, trying to shake things up a little bit. I appreciate it. Yeah. Aaron, are you still on the call? Yes, I am on the call. Sorry, I had to unmute. That's okay. What, looking back from the year, what book did you like the best? Not including uh, mine. Not including yours. Uh, I got my list up on my phone. Call Me Ted by Ted Turner was awesome. Um, the Power of Failure by Fran Tarkinson I thought was really good, and I think it would be potentially a good option for this call. Fran Tarkinson was a quarterback uh, in the NFL way back in the day. He played for the Vikings. <coughs> Sorry, I'm getting over a cough myself. And just talks about how obsessed he is with with learning from failure. And actually, with back in the back in those days, uh, NFL players wouldn't really weren't really making a lot of money, i.e. him and guys like Roger Staubach. Uh, Roger Staubach was actually extremely successful in real estate and sold his company to JLL for $600 million. 
Um, Trent Tarkenton is a wildly successful entrepreneur who uh, cut his teeth in the offseason and basically leveraged his name and brand by getting his foot in the door and just working like a regular career. So his book I thought was really inspiring would be good for this. Um, and I thought that uh, Yes is the Answer, What is the Question, a book by Cameron Mitchell, who is a restaurateur out of Columbus, Ohio, mm-hmm. uh, who's developed a ton of really successful restaurant brands. So those people on the call oh. that are tenant rep focused or, or lease really cool lifestyle projects or whatever may be familiar with him as a tenant, but um, his said that the book, the title of the book tells you everything you need to know about it, where it's like kind of figure it out first and providing great service. So I would say those are the three or four that, that I really enjoyed the most. And of course, the every, I forgot the everything store, which is uh, the story about Bezos putting together Amazon. But um, that was, that book was crazy and probably a little too long for the, uh, for purposes of the call. Each one. Yeah. You know, this, thank you. Thank you, Aaron. This book also talks a lot, Relentless talks a lot about instinct. And um, in the last week, I've been on like four different podcasts. It's like the the month of the podcasts. And when it, and they all ask you, you know, what is the one piece of advice? And what I always say is in acquisitions um, early on, I did not follow my instincts. There were, I had instincts about deals that I should buy, but I talked to a bunch of people and they would discourage me people that maybe weren't as, that were more risk-averse than I was. And um, out of the, let's say, eight opportunities that I passed on because I was talked out, I let people talk me out of them, six went on to become phenomenal developments. And so I'm a big, big, big believer in following your instinct. And I would highly recommend the 31-year-old, like Aaron on the phone, you know, younger, older people, to follow your instincts because I really messed up with that. I didn't think, I thought there were smarter, richer, and more experienced people that I could get advice from, even though I knew the market data better than them. And, you know, the market data usually wins. So, um, I liked that he I'm talked so glad you said that. Sorry, go ahead. No, but it, you know, the, the quote in the book is, the greats never stop learning. Instinct and talent without technique just makes you reckless like a teenage driver or like a teenager driving a powerful high-performance vehicle. Instinct is raw clay that can be shaped into a masterpiece if you develop skills that match your talent. That can only come from learning everything there is to know about what you do. So I'm not saying if your instinct says to buy this piece of real estate and you've done no homework and you haven't, you know, expanded on your skill set to learn, but if you have done that and your instinct matches what you're seeing, go with your instinct. So, Aaron, why are you glad I said that? Well, I'm glad you said that because – the best acquisition I think I'm going to end up making thus far is one that you actually told me not that you weren't comfortable investing yeah. in. Right. And I really struggled. Uh-huh. With, I really struggled. I really struggled with that. Um, but I actually just signed an LOI this morning to sell it. So fabulous. At a, at a pretty good, 
pretty good spread, hopefully. And, and, and look, it's not done. We still have to get through a PSA. They still have to close. But um, I feel pretty good about it. So that wasn't easy for me. Like, I really struggled with that because I got a lot of, a lot of people excited about it to invest in the deal, inclusive of myself. And having you pass on that was good for me because it – made me look at it at another at, at another angle and, and really vet out across my T's and dot my I's and my performer and make sure that I really felt good about everything that I was doing and saying. But, like, I still struggled with that idea that, oh, well, if she, you know, she's been doing this a long time. She knows what she's doing. Like, why is she not into it? And um, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that you said that on this call because sometimes you just have to go with your gut and your instinct. And the deal felt right to me. And had the equity committed otherwise, uh, later, like a week or so or two weeks later, and uh, hopefully I think it's going to end up being a, a pretty good success story, so we'll, we'll see how it pans out. I'm so glad, and I'm glad that you shared that because, you know, diff, you know, I have a friend who says with investing, people are like, they're like going on elevators, and some people get off on the elevator at different floors, and maybe at 59 at 59, I'm going to get off the elevator. You're going to keep going on the elevator, right? You know, so maybe there was something about it. I don't remember that I didn't like that you liked, but I'm glad that you went with your instinct again. And like you said, just making sure you cross your uh, T's and dot your I's to back up the instinct, right, and not be reckless. And it sounds like you did that, and it's going to be a good deal. So I'm glad you didn't listen to me. Because I am, I look back at you know in real estate you can't look back at deals you you lost because you would just drive yourself crazy. But every once in a while I can feel sorry for myself because I didn't follow through in deals I knew would be great. And since I since I came up with that edict that I'm going to go forward no matter what. I, there have been a couple of deals where I didn't close on because they didn't end up being what I thought. But at least I knew I gave it my 100% effort and followed through and was relentless in making sure to try to get it done. And then if it didn't get done, it wasn't because I took someone's advice or cautionary, you know, you, you know we don't think that's going to be good, and took someone else's opinion and made it my own. You know, it was some other reason. So, thanks for sharing that. Anybody else have anything to say about this book? You know, one topic we haven't touched upon is kind of Tim's origin story, where, you know, his, his parents were, you know, he had kind of, a, not a broken family, but a displaced family. His mom came, you know, he came from India, moved to London. Mom had to go to go to the U.S. to become a a nurse, um, leaving dad and two brothers in London. And then they had to come over um, a couple of years later when they saved enough money to, to to make the time over. But you know, they get to the airport, they get in the cab, and then huh. dad gets them gets the boys out with all their luggage, right. kind of halfway between the airport and their destination and goes to said, Oh, we're on, we're on this fantastic, we're going to go on a fantastic adventure into the city when come to find out that 
he had to get out of the cab because dad didn't have any money to pay the full fare. He had just enough money in his pocket to get to where they were and then um, had to walk the rest of the way. And then he talks about, you know, going working, going to work with his dad who worked in the basement of a, of a hospital, you know, dismembering cadavers at the age of six. And, and so I, I think what I got out most out of it is there's always this event, there's always going to be something that seems to be a trigger, you know, in your life that's going to set you on a, set you on a path. And obviously this was his event for, um, for his life. You know, my event was being unemployed for the better part of, well, a year and a half you know, between 2008, 2010. Um, and, you know, it's just, there's just these origin stories that really just kind of carve your path. And, you know, you think you're, com- and they make you uncomfortable. And you grow so much out of a very short period of time or this one event that will just teach you and put you on the right path for pretty much for the rest of your life. Yeah, I forgot about that. Thank you for sharing that. And, and you know, and, Look, for us that are parents, I mean, Aaron's daughter, Sophie, is teeny tiny, but Greg, you've got three over 12. Are you creating those experiences for your kids? I think we have. Um, you know, my, my wife and I, you know, it's hard for me to relate to what he went through, but we had to leave the comforts of our home in Ohio. We were... You know, I had worked off and on a couple of different jobs, one two hours away from home that I had to drive to every day. Another was 60 miles away from home, you know, through snow and everything else. And, you know, it just wasn't enough. And, you know, we had to leave comforts of home, move south to Alabama. So we are a Yankee in a Dixie state. Um where you're not welcome, and but it put us on a path to where we are today. I mean, we 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 rode into town in Alabama with a thousand dollars to our name, and wow. that was that was it. That's all we had. Um, we had paid the first month's rent of our house in uh, that we rented, and I mean, it, that that was that's kind of put us on the path of where we are today, and it, it's been. They just open your eyes. I mean, they really enlighten you, and they 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 make you grow. And um, you know, hindsight being twenty twenty, there's a lot of things you would have, I would have done differently. But I think I'm much stronger and better for it um, because of it. And you know, I miss home. I miss Ohio, and I'm always there. But you know, there always be a place in the heart. But I think that was for me to leave and be forced out. Really was the best thing that could have happened for me and our family. Well, thank you for being so honest and sharing and so transparent. Uh, you know, I think what you said at the beginning is when we do things that are uncomfortable for us, that is so powerful and it absolutely 100% helps us grow as people, right? And I'm sure your kids really appreciate the sacrifices you had to make. And he talks about that in this book, right? He does say cleaners 
are the ones that make the sacrifices. And clearly, Greg, you had to make some significant sacrifices for your family. So yeah. bravo to you on that. Yeah, that, that was my cleaner moment, my one and only. And Aaron, you've had to do some uncomfortable things going out on your own, scary shit, right? Uh, yeah, you could say that. <laughs> say that. I loved your little video yesterday about your holiday party in your office. It was lit, the, the, par- the party of one. <laughs> Party of one eating uh, nasty salt vinegar flavored popcorn. I don't know what I thought about. I don't know how I decided that was a good idea to try it. Um, but uh, yeah, drinking water and playing YouTube music. It was good. Enjoyed it. How many people? How many people told you you shouldn't go out on your own and do your own thing? Uh, I didn't talk more than more than ten. Uh, I didn't talk to ten people about it that I knew were going to say that. I I I. I I mean, so you I'm sure your I'm environment. Sure. You contained. You only spoke to people who were out there trying to go after their own dreams, so they would encourage yours. Correct. Yeah, and and the people. Yeah, that's that's very well put. And there was people. You know, I very close family members who uh, aren't entrepreneurs who were beyond nervous and were telling me to take another job opportunity that was in front of me and. Uh, I, I don't know. The way I looked at it was, I've told you this before, the, the risk associated with doing it didn't outweigh how I would feel about myself if I didn't do it, if that makes right. sense. Right. So, you got to try it. And you're only 31, right? Right. Right. But you're successful. How many properties have you purchased so far? Four with another one imminent to happen. So hopefully it'll be five very soon. That's awesome. Congratulations. All right. Yeah, isn't that awesome? Okay, so, wow, end of a decade, everybody. End of 2019, end of a decade. I've written two books in this 2019. I I guess I wrote the other one in 2018. But anyway, that's the next book and uh, our dear friend Greg is going to be interviewing me Um, I think the date is January 17th but we will be sending out notices so if you haven't already gotten the book the retail leasing playbook it came out about three weeks ago Uh, 69 chapters A to Z how to be a rock star leasing agent and uh, Greg Parsons will be Uh, conducting the book club with the author, me. So um, I hope you guys can be on that call, uh, get the book and read it, or just listen to us as we discuss it. And I thank all of you for all of your support through the year and look forward to 2020. We have all of the books listed. That doesn't mean that I can't do some substitution. So Aaron, I'll definitely take a look at some of these books you mentioned today. and see if we can fit them in somehow. But I hope, wish all of you a uh, Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, Happy Kwanzaa, Happy New Year, Happy Holidays, and uh, have some great time with your family. And I really um, love that you guys are part of the book club. And have a great rest of the year and go close some deals.